Welcome, dear friends, to Kardec Radio at 11 p.m., always nourishing our souls. We are here with another program on Lifting Hope. Lifting Hope is a program based on the book, Memoirs of a Suicide. Why are we studying this book? For several reasons, mostly for prevention. Not only prevention in regards to suicide, but to many things in our daily lives that we could avoid, correct, adjust, before incurring in big mistakes, right? Why have we reincarnated, friends? That's a very, very important question. We've reincarnated to redress previous lives' choices and also, also to evolve, to fulfill God's will, to fulfill God's will in the universe, not only on earth, right? We all know that the planet earth is not the only one that is inhabited in this world. We know, we as a spiritist and our reasoning says so, when you talk to astronomers who have been studying planets, stars, the universe in itself, they share with us it's it's evident that there must be more than just us, right? So why are we here? I know that when we are here, we are short-sighted. We lose actually sight of the greatness of life. We become sometimes very patty in our daily choices, thinking that this is it. I have to compete in order to survive. I need to, some people even say, I can't dedicate my life to spirituality because I have to survive. I have to take care of my material life. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any, any, any sense whatsoever. I have to compete. They, we can't split our lives in two as if material life and spiritual life were complete separated from one another. They are interconnected. When I am taking care of my material life, I'm taking care of the spiritual life as well. I'll give an example. When I am eating to feed the physical body, I am also impacting the spiritual body with the contents that I'm eating, with the attitude before nourishing my body as well. And the reverse happens. When I am practicing spirituality, even science proves that to us nowadays. When I am praying, when I am meditating, when I am spending time caring for others without rewards, doing beneficent works, we are impacting our physical body as well. Dr. Elizabeth... Clover Ross, when she studied the transition of the of death and the grieving process, she observed that the people who had practiced religiosity, spirituality, had a different way of 
letting go of the last moments of life. So our spirituality affects the physical universe and vice versa. When I clean the house, it's not only for good for the physical body, but it's also good for us as spirits because we are also recycling the energies of the house. So we are interconnected. There is no thing such as the spiritual and the material separated. So much so that in the first chapter of the Spirit book by Allan Kardec, he shares with us the subtitle, Elements of the Universe, saying to us that we, that God created us, the spirits, matter, and the universal cosmic fluid connects them. There's nothing that is not interconnected. So I think the first thing we needed to realize today is our integral self, our whole being. We need to be more holistic in our thinking process, right? I see here friends who have come in. Hello, Alan Swift. How have you been? Hello, Adilson. Welcome to Kardec Radio. Long time no see you. Hello, Paula. Big hug to you, Paula. Hello, Carol Correa. How have you been? Hello, Angelita. How have you been, Angelita? And Lisa Telles, a big hug to you. How have you been, Sunshine? It's good to have you here, Rita de Cássia. Welcome to Kardec Radio. It's good to have you here as well. Sol Souza, hello. Jailton, hello, friend. So, those who are writing here, I can read who they are. The other ones, not so much, but doesn't matter if I said your name or not. Welcome. Feel the hug. Feel the embrace. Feel the welcoming to the program. Remember, this is a classroom for us. We are here studying together. I'm also learning. This book is very comprehensive. I can read it 10 times, listen to it, and yet there's more to discover, more to understand. Today, I think it's, it's a beautiful chapter. It's an invitation for parenting. We're going to start chapter 13. This chapter is about preparing for reincarnation. Hello, Daisy. How have you been, Daisy? So we're going to begin this chapter. I have some highlights. We're actually going to chop it up in two parts today and tomorrow because this chapter has too many elements we cannot skip at all. But it begins by titling it to each according to their deeds or his deeds. Quoting from Jesus, truly I say to you, you will not get out until you have paid the last cent. Well, think about the law of justice love and charity. You see, it's a combination. Justice, love, charity. It's a, something we cannot talk about justice 
without love. Love without justice. Charity without love. Charity without justice. They are all together belonging to the same complex. It's like an equation. They're interdependent. Hmm? Why we're saying this? Jesus is not being harsh to us when he's saying that we have to, you know, observe the laws of God and comply with it. That if we have missed a boat in a previous life, we have to redress it today. When we're rebellious, we don't want to hear the truth. We kick and scream. But when we are more mature, we say, oh, well, yes, that's what it is, right? Like, for example, you're speeding up. An officer stops you. What is going to be your attitude? You're going to escape? Or you're going to say, no, I didn't do anything. You're crazy. You're being too harsh. Or mature taking charge, responsibility, and saying, no, officer, I really, I was speeding up. I apologize. I'm wrong. Do whatever you need to do, because really, I was wrong. Before God, we need to learn how to be like that. We need to be like that. That's how the chapter begins. And you see, it's amazing the cases they are going to tell us today to exemplify the whole process of planning reincarnation and even the, the choices of parents for those who need to reincarnate the former suicide spirits. Hello, Raquel Bakeshi. It's good to have you here. Thank you for joining us, Raquel. So friends, the chapter begins by saying, it's so interesting. And I will highlight it because when we read these books that were compiled by so many skillful hands, Camilo Castelo Branco was the writer in the Portuguese literature. When he was incarnated in the 19th century, he wrote more than 260 books. We're not talking about something trivial because back then writing books is not that easy as it is today. Nowadays, we type it in, it's very quick, and yet writing books is not trivial. Though many people write poor books and they are all over the place. But besides that point, Camilo Castelo Branco is considered to be a wonderful writer. So when we're reading this book, there's something about the style too, the way they're compiling, like Emmanuel's books, like Andre Lewis' books, they, or Humberto de Campos' books. No wonder these were phenomenal writers who brought to us these teachings. It's not only about the content, it's about the form too, because the form tells us about the information that we need to acquire. So this chapter begins... And certainly, I will do another parenthesis. Leon Denis, who was a writer too, wrote about Spiritism and is at the top of the administration of Spiritism around the earth. We know it. 
he came and revised this book. This chapter begins talking about a major teaching by Jesus that we need to be responsible for what we have done this far. And he begins by talking about order. Okay, so let us write it down. Order. Is it important? It's vital. So much so that in the book Action and Reaction by Andrea Lewis, in the second chapter, he says, order is the basis of charity, something that Andrea Lewis learned himself. This chapter begins in that line of thought. It's not by chance that Camilo begins this chapter by saying, around midnight, the two Canalijas dot doctors came bearing our paternal friend's invitation. Filled with excitement, we left the Indian ward. Until then, we had never gone out at night. The strict discipline of the hospital departments was a correctional method that obligated us to be in our ward by 6 p.m. No patient was to be outside the walls of his room after that. The sector director was the only one who could make an exception to the rule, which he did only rarely and only for instructional purposes. So let us observe this order, discipline, something that on earth is very, very hard. There are some places where it's very easy to implement rules, regulations, people abide easily. But majority of places on earth, people are so rebellious. They are like, no, 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 I want to do it my way, my way. I don't agree. It's too harsh, too rigid, too radical. The universe is expanding in order daily the astronomers say daily the universe is expanding and yet everything is in order the earth is rotating in order the solar system is interconnected magnetically gravity pulls it all together and yet everything thoroughly calculated question for you and i because it's not important to know the rest of the chapter if we don't ask this question for us because from the title of the chapter to the first two paragraphs we have an invitation and this invitation is only for those who are willing to progress because those who want to keep the same old and just be sugar-coated this doesn't matter but if we really want to progress the question for us is how are we doing in regards to disciplining ourselves which is the acquisition of new habits making efforts to acquire new healthy habits what is our speed towards it what is our routine routine towards it 
or are we just delaying it because it's hard? Look at students when they go to school. They come back. There is homework. The good student, what does he do? He comes home. If he hasn't done the homework yet in the after-school program, he comes home and says, that's the first thing I'm going to do. The other ones, I'm going to play first. I'm going to do this first. When they are about to go to bed, oh, my gosh, I forgot. I have to do homework. Or when they wake up, they forgot. They do it before going to school. Bed, 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 bed. And there are people who are like this. They spend the, role, the whole reincarnation enjoying, making choices that are easy, comfortable. When death comes, they're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot this. I forgot that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Or they discarnate and even they don't realize it in the afterlife. They will get to know the homework they missed. This is us. So how are we doing in regards to discipline? Are we taking shortcuts, thinking that we're entitled to so many things like Geronimo? We've seen. Geronimo committed suicide and yet he was demanding. No, but I want to see my family. But I need this. I need that. In spite of his regressions, the, his issues. Now, for us here, where are we? Are we giving ourselves too many rights that we don't have? And it's just an illusion. That's what we're going to see. You want to see it? This has everything to do with what we're going to see. He says, we found ourselves standing in a vast courtyard surrounded by imposing walls. Despite the late hour, there was a large number of incarnate and discarnate spirits moving about. The incarnate ones were in their astral bodies, while their material bodies lay sleeping in their beds. Okay. Legion guards were at their posts at the entrance gates to keep an eye on the building and the surroundings. See? Order. Order. Within the building, each group of the caravan's constituents had private quarters where they established their operations. When we got to Brother Theocritus' quarters, we saw that they were comprised of an office containing a private parlor and a variety of apparatuses that we recognized from the colony. So two assistants, Romeo and Alceste, from before rejoined Brother Theocritus and directed them to sit on their chairs and said, About two hours ago, the two women at these addresses fell into restorative sleep. Bringing them here after, bring them here, Brother Theocritus said, bring them here after infusing their physical bodies with magnetic reserves. Use every effort to bring their husbands or companions along with them, although it's not absolutely necessary. Did you understand what's going on? I will explain for those who haven't read yet. So they are in the reincarnation world, right? They are at a step when incarnated women 
are being chosen to be the vessels, the mothers of former suicides. They don't know the suicides that spirits that they are going to be gestating. And you see why this happens. These spirits, they were found by the superior forces. They need to go through this experience as parents of suicidal spirits. Hello, Andrea Cosley. How are you? Welcome to Kardec Radio. So, interesting enough, they are there and they are going to observe what's going to happen next. Mario Sobral, who in the previous chapter said that he wanted to reincarnate, he asked, Brother Teocrito, would you mind telling us what your assistants went down to the earth for? Of course not, my dear friend. I wouldn't have brought you here if it wasn't to provide you with some information regarding our research work. Romeo and Alcesti had gone down to the island of San Miguel and to a small town in northeast of Brazil, places where poverty and misfortune reach levels unconceivable to the content inhabitants of civilized centers to get two of our colony's wards, whose names are filled, are filed in our archives as great delinquents in the past. My two assistants will bring their spirits here while their physical bodies are in deep restorative sleep because of how late at night it is. We're going to talk to them about the possibility of them becoming mothers of two poor patients from the mental ward, which is very complicated, whose only means of relief at this moment is reincarnation in an obscure and suffering family circle. That is the only way they can free themselves from the depressing darkness with which they have surrounded themselves. And then Bellarmino, who is Camilo's friend, Mario Sobral's friend, who is a former suicide, make a question. He's like, from what we have seen so far, are we to assume that these unfortunate brothers are to be reborn into appalling conditions? Yes, they are, Brother Bellarmino. They are in such an unfavorable situation that before they can repeat the lifetime they evaded through suicide, they will have to animate a physical body that is sickly and somewhat non-functional, where they will feel limited, unhappy throughout their entire lives. In such a body, they will complete the time they still had remaining on the earth before they cut it short with suicide. They will alleviate the vibrational hindrances they created and will gain the capacity and serenity they need to repeat the lifetime in which they failed. Although it is obvious that that will have to wait for a second reincarnation. They have already asked several women to receive them as their children. And unfortunately, none of them had the moral principles to help in that regard. So they found others. And then, of course, Camilo 
says, but brother Theocrito, what if they refuse? That's not likely, my dear Camilo. They are two souls that are very sorry for their wrongful past. Now humble and forgotten by society, the only desire is rehabilitation through sacrifice and selflessness. I have been given the responsibility of convincing them to accept the delicate and heroic task willingly. Okay. Okay, hold on a second. You may be like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. That's not loving. No, it is. Let's go to the book Evolution into Worlds. Chapter 19, Part 2. By the Spirit Doctor, Andre Lewis, through the mediums, Chico Xavier and Valdo Vieira. There's a question. How do we get to be predisposed to illnesses? The answer. When we make grave mistakes and the remembrance of those mistakes create knots of spiritual disturbance, vibrational disturbance in the spiritual body, the peri-spirit, and it will only be reharmonized, we will only dissolve that crystallization and expunge it out of the spiritual body through reincarnation. That's when we get to pre predisposed. Does that mean that we're going to be doomed to being ill? No. If we make good actions, we can reharmonize it all. But in such cases of the suicidal spirits, they are so deformed by what they have created for themselves that only a deformed body, a difficult reincarnation filled with limitations and constrictions will make them expunge a lot of those negativity that they have created and then be prepared for another reincarnation where they will finally redress the mistake. Which means, if you think about time, from the time in which the suicidal spirit commits the mistake of suicide to actually reincarnating to redress and repairing everything, it takes at least two, three centuries minimum. Because we're talking about one, two, if possibly like three reincarnations and we're talking about redressing and repairing with everything that was affected to not only ourselves. So a problem that we have today, if we don't face it, we're going to magnify this problem a million times, at least two, three hundred times, because then the problem became bigger and bigger and bigger. What does it say? We need to teach our children and ourselves the virtue of serenity, calmness, patience, resignation, surrender, which are antidotes to despair, to impulsivity. We need to tell ourselves 
and we're children of God, that everything is going to be fine, that God knows better, okay? <clears throat> okay, so... Now, thank you, Adilson, for copying and pasting precisely what we're reading here. And they say... <clears throat> okay. Even if they refuse, divine providence through the law that governs the real realm of causes will have the right to impose it on them as a trial in the work of righting past wrongs. In past existences, both failed in their duties as mothers by criminally aborting the physical bodies, being prepared for spirits that were to have been born through them. Some were to have been on luminous missions and by lamentably neglecting to care for other children that the same providence had entrusted to them in prior lives. Pause before we continue. Did we hear that? People committing abortion and spirits who were to be missionaries were had their lives cut short in the womb of the mothers. You don't know if the baby that is in your womb is a missionary spirit. Whether it is or not is a child of God anyhow. I, we don't want to be harsh here with one another. We're not being judgmental friends because who are we, right? Who are we to say cast a stone? Because if we didn't commit abortion in this life, we may have done in previous lives. But the point here is we need to raise awareness that our lives are precious. The life in the womb of a mother is not the mother's life, though it affects the mother's life. Why? We need to understand that we are here to serve God. Law of worship. We don't own even our lives. And I will repeat it. We do not possess our life. How do I know it? I'm not self-made. I can't breathe on my own in the sense of like creating my own sustenance. I don't own my life. I can't quit it and I cannot kill anybody. Whether a fetus or somebody who is a grown-up. You shall not kill, period. The divine commandment at Moses' time doesn't specify shall not kill somebody who is born. Shall not kill, period. It's so ancient, the commandment of the divine law. And yet, there are people who are advocating for abortion. It's so sad. If they just knew what they're doing. We need to educate our children better, my friends, by educating ourselves better. We need to bring God without shame to our daily lives. We need to embrace our spirituality daily 
because the illusion that many people are living, it's just creating bloody lives. I see in the eyes of many people the tears and the sorrows, the guilt for having done the abortions. It's hard for them to be happy. Very hard. There are many men who induce their partners to commit abortion, saying, if you want to be with me, just rid yourself of that life. Or I won't be with you. You'll figure it out by yourself. So we today in this chapter are revisiting the sacredness of parenting. It's a mission. When I see people who want to be pregnant or to have a baby, we tell them, Pre prepare yourself minimally. Do your best to instruct yourself, no matter if you are going to learn more, because you will. No matter how hard you try to prepare, there's always more, but at least you have prepared yourself. It's like any profession, for example. You study, study, study. When you are in action, that served a purpose, but you're going to learn more. The same for parenting. If you don't instruct yourself, if you don't prepare yourself, it's going to be harder. Being a parent is not playing dolls, and it shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be a substitute for anything in terms of our affection. Our children are not coming here to fill in the gap. They are not here to take care of us when we get older. We cannot use our children for any purpose. We can not use any children for anything but to help them grow. That's called respect. That's called true, true fraternity. Right? Now, immersed in the darkness of the crimes they committed against the divine laws by disdaining nature, morality, marriage, and the rights of others as well as their own, they are now incarcerated on earth. Oh my Lord, look at this. They are incarcerated on earth, like we've learned in previous chapters. Africa, in this book it says, it's a big prison for many spirits, just by the conditions that people live in there. It's prison. Needed. We're not judging. The spirits are revealing it to us. People who need a more a harsher environment to stay put, to not adventure themselves in the same mistakes of the past, go to Africa. Not saying that we are not incarcerated where we are, because we have our limitations here, depends on what we feel it, right? One lives in an isolated island from which she will never be able to escape. And the other lives amid the harshness of the dry northeastern hinterlands of Brazil. Instead of having helpful, intelligent children, considered noble and worthy in the spirit world, and therefore useful and well-liked by earthly society, 
they will have to expiate their past infanticide abortions by bending over miserable cribs where different spirits will moan and gnash their teeth. Spirits that are guilty with reputations as great criminals in the spirit world, inhabiting a repulsive body due to their expiatory reincarnation. These two women will have to dedicate themselves to them as true mothers and will have to be loving, patient, resigned, and willing to die in defense of the fruit of their wombs, no matter how displeasing it may be. Everybody who was listening to that felt a painful silence inside of them. They were anguished, confused. And then Bellarmino, who was a teacher, professor in that previous life, said, Tell me, Brother Theocrito, does the law oblige us to reincarnate amidst the strangers? Yes, says Brother Theocrito. The suicidal spirits will be born among strangers. Yes, it is just awful, my friend, but just and wise. This is usually the case not only with suicides, but also with those who failed their family, bringing dismay to the hearts they, that loved them. Suicides, however, disrespecting their own family by afflicted them, afflicting them with harsh suffering due to their act, plainly scorning the sanctuary of the home that loved them, or marking themselves unworthy of the blessings of a new family of their liking, have brought about the bitter necessity of repeating their physical existence outside the family circle that they loved so much. Even so, there are cases where suicides can return to a loving environment if there are former loved ones that are once more toiling in human existence at the time of their reincarnation. And if these loved ones agree to receive them to assist them in their expiations, in any event, they will reincarnate into a circle that is favorable to the type of trial they need to undergo. And frequently, it's going to be painful. I know, it's very hard, right? <clears throat> very, very hard. So here we have a scenario that they are going to tell us. Three visitors, they were brought, they were incarnated, <clears throat> and they were brought to the ward. Right, Rosaline Rosa? Welcome to Kardec Radio. So, <clears throat> they are there. They came. They were sleeping. Two hours ago, they went to sleep. They started sleeping. The assistants of the hospital, Mary Now Nazareth, went there to these remote locations and brought them a couple and a woman. They were brought in. The three incarnate visitors were protected by what looked like a very thin crystalline covering whose form was exactly like their profile. A thin luminous cord extended from them as if the other end of it were tied to an immovable prison stake. Theocrito, the, the director, greeted them kindly, treated them with immense tenderness, and had them taken into the parlor where Brother Juan's patients also had been taken. 
we were surprised by the presence of Brother John, who approached us with a smile. We greeted him respectfully, and he greeted us in return. He went into the parlor with Theocrito, and silence once more fell over the premises. So here we have the two suicidal spirits who will be incarnating. They'll be watching the future moms. They don't know each other yet. These, the couple and the, the, womb, the other woman are coming in. And here, how it happens. The Portuguese couple and the Brazilian woman, okay? They are being offered the opportunity to parent these spirits. And Brother João, Brother Teocro, explain to them what is their reaction. You want to know? The humble Portuguese couple said, oh, no, no, no. We don't want a sickly, deformed, or mentally retarded child. We just got married a month ago. And out of most cherished, our most cherished dream is for the good God to grant us a rosy, healthy little angel as our firstborn. We do want children, yes, we do, but they should be strong and happy so they can be our precious support in old age. Mamma mia, so much selfishness, right? I'm not judging, but I'm saying you cannot bring a child to life to take care of you when you're old. That is evil. Evil. You don't do what you wouldn't like to receive. Somebody raising you thinking, you're going to take care of me, you're going to take care of me. That's prison. It's kind of... Slavery, right? Manipulation of people's emotions. And I know some parents do that, and that's wrong. When we are parents, we are to give and give and give and give and give. And the children receive and honor the parents. Receive and honor the parents. If they need help, you may help. But you're not here to customize your life to do what the parents want you to do. No. You may help them and assist them till they discarnate. Because you want to, not because you're being forced to. Okay? I'm saying this because I know people who have this mindset. And it's very unfair. It's against the laws of God. Law of freedom. We cannot impose ourselves onto anybody's life. Saying, I raised you, now it's your turn to take care of me. That, not even God imposes himself onto us. Not even God that sustains our lives imposes on us anything. The Brazilian woman struggled with shame. She, in her thoughts, she said, no, sir, I cannot be a mother. I would rather die. How could I bear such shame before my parents, my neighbors, my girlfriends? They would all despise me, and so would he. I know he would. A paralytic child? Dear God, how would I ever be able to take care of him? 
Logical and grave, Brother Theocrito, second by Brother John, as a worthy defender of the redemptive cause, whose founder had died on a cross, showing humanity the sublime pathway of selflessness, said, Because you erred as a woman by breaking the sixth commandment of the supreme law, which imposes on maidens the respectful duty of chastity before the sacred advent of matrimony, you must now right your wrong through selfless sacrifice by faithfully observing the other commandments of the same law. These will enable you to amend your infraction of the six. I will make a parenthesis here because he's talking about the sixth commandment and I talked about the fourth and you're like, Vanessa, I'm a little lost. Okay, so that's homework for us too. In a book that is yet to be translated by Emmanuel Sushiko Shavir, named the Consolador, there is a question about Moses' commandments, what they represent. And the answer by Emmanuel is this. If we want to understand the foundation of the divine law, we can have it summarized in the Ten Commandments. It's there, summarized. So we need to observe those laws. We need to observe those laws. We won't escape the law of God by just disregarding it. Remember what the Spirit said through Kardec. There's a moment in our lives we need to be awakened. Jesus came to reinforce it. He came to reinforce the Ten Commandments, to expand it. And Spiritism comes to make it clear to all of us that this is the reality. Are we, if we look at the Ten Commandments, can we tell in front of a mirror today that we're being compliant with the Ten Commandments? And you may be asking, Vanessa, what are they again? <laughs> right? I agree with you because we, we never studied them. So I will read it for you. Why? Just because we're studying here. Why not? Right? The Ten Commandments. And it says to us, <clears throat> okay, sorry. Oops. It says here to us, okay, one second. <clears throat> Okay, it says, first and foremost, okay, I'm just opening here. Number one, I am the Lord your God. You shall not have no other gods before me. Do we have other gods? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we think that a family member is my God, and God comes after it. Sometimes it's about the profession. Sometimes it's about my ego. Second commandment, you shall not make it to any... Okay, sorry. Just... You shall not make false idols, right? 
there are different versions. You can find the version that you like. The third one, and, and, and make false idols, it's so interesting because nowadays there are celebrities. There are people who dream of following celebrities, etc. Even spiritist celebrities, which I never thought in my life that they would exist, but they do because people are creating this idolatry behind before mediums they change their behavior before people who have positions in organizations which is really 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 concerning it's against the commandment here three you shall not use my name you shall not use my name in vain right Okay, then it says here, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We can talk it about another day. Now, the other one, honor your father and your mother. Another one, you shall not kill. Another one, you shall not commit adultery. Another one, you shall not steal. Another one, you shall not bear false witness. And nowadays with fake news, people are spreading false witness and fake news all over the place, all against the divine commandment. And you shall not covet is another one. There are different versions. Feel free to study them, but we're just stimulating ourselves to the study of it all. Because for the higher spirits, they observe these laws that were brought to us, not by chance, not by chance. And we need to start observing them too, to be happier. Sometimes we're not happy, you know why? Because we're slandering people throughout the day. Yeah? Sometimes, there was a time somebody came to me and said, Oh, you know, Vanessa, somebody called me one day and said to me, this and that about you. And I said, I'm so sorry that they found in you a good ear for this. Thank you for sharing with me. But if you believed it, I'm sorry for you. What am I going to say? I don't care. They can say whatever they like. But that's a crime before God. In this book, they talk about people who slander people. And the consequences. It's terrible. It's terrible. And nowadays with social media, many people, they shift their professional career by buying into this attitude of sharing lies, creating lies about people's lives. I'm sorry about them. And sometimes they even make the masks of being so right and talking so evil about people. It's so common nowadays. And we're sorry for them because they are creating karma, right? Action and reaction. That's what this chapter is all about. So when they are talking to, to them, he says, if you will become a mother, then accept in your body a poor spirit, delinquent like you, and in need of rehabilitation. Okay. By helping him out of the abyss in which he dove headlong, you will work out your own redemption. Furthermore, I can assure you in the name of the Divine Messiah 
that you will carry out your duties as a mother even though others cover you with shame and humiliation and chastise you for what you have done. Heaven will give you the strength to endure every struggle and emerge from this trial victorious. It will glorify you spiritually. But do we see that? No. Do we embrace it? No. We escape. The visitors from the earth still hesitated, but Theocrito and John continued to expound the advantages of the endeavors, the merits, the heavenly assistance. During the grave discussions, the two suicides that were present, but barely aware of what was going on, they were unusually attracted to the two women tuning into the vibrational tones emitted by their mental and emotional emanations. One could even say that at that very moment, the magnetic attraction that is indispensable for incarnation via birth, via birth began to receive the divine impulse that would solidify it. But because the three incarnates, weepy and uncomfortable, were nowhere close to entering into a final agreement, the two tireless instructors, Romeo and Alcesti, decided on a more forceful measure that would lead them into willing accord. They started inducing them to remember previous lives. So the Portuguese couple was reminded that they started seeing the scenes that they were uh, immigrants in Brazil that used the slaves to have a good life. And they were very cruel to the Africans who came to Brazil. The Brazilian woman in turn saw herself in a past life as someone proud of her beauty, irreverent and vain, trampling on her marital duties in disrespect of her wedding vows. In addition to refusing to comply with the sublime laws of nature, which required her to become a mother, a refusal that drove her so far as to commit. They couldn't believe themselves. They were shocked. They were shocked. The ones who were revisiting the scenes, so intense as the scenes were, they were crying as they were watching it. Like, I cannot believe what I've done. This is us. You and I, I'm sure about it. I'm not saying the same story. But if we were able to see what we've done in the past, Mamma Mia, we would probably be willing to disappear for the, from the universe out of shame. We're no angels. Friends, we are in a planet that dictates who we are. We're in a planet to learn, go through tasks, expiations, because we have a list of wrongs. Good things, minority. Majority, bad things. So, it is on us to adjust ourselves. How? Sacrificing. Oh, yeah. You don't want the comfort zone. 
You don't want it. No. When it becomes easy, you say, no, 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 something is wrong here. I'm not going to say we're not going to project beautiful things. I'm not going to project, visualize the good. We will. But the good for all, not only for me. Because what I see nowadays and what we see nowadays are people dreaming of selfish ease for themselves. I want this, that, and the other. I want... They don't dream, visualize the good for everybody. Do you stop your day to visualize the good for everybody? When Emmanuel says in the book, Thought in Life, seek the good, feel the good, visualize the good, mold the good. He's not saying to yourself alone, to myself alone. He's saying, seek the good for everyone. Visualize the good for everyone. Feel this good for everyone. Mold the good for everyone. Meaning, do the good where you are. Only for everyone. Not only for ourselves. But the good that people dream of is for themselves. For themselves and their chosen ones. And that selfishness and pride. Because we think we're entitled to things we don't deserve. And we can't have. Oh, Vanessa, this discourse is very, is very much resembling the Christian traditions of other churches. I don't think so. I think we're talking about justice, love, and charity. When we talk about justice, we need to think about the rights that everybody have, not only ourselves. That's justice. If I give myself the right to dream of anything happy at the very moment, I'm giving the whole humanity the same right to achieve it too. That is the true dream for all of us. When we start dreaming about the good that shall happen for everybody. After a while, silence once again enveloped the premises. The door to the private room opened and everyone emerged. Sorrowful but resigned and ready to carry out her benevolent mission, the Portuguese woman walked beside her husband, who shared her sense of the inevitable. The Brazilian woman, covered by burning tears, was supported by the fraternal assistance of the elder Canalejas and his inseparable son, Roberto. The next day, it was already somewhat late when we were picked up for the continuation of the instructional visits before our release from the hospital. Okay, the rest of it will be tomorrow because this is too much important for us. We're talking about the preparation for our reincarnation, the preparation of the the mother who received these suicidal spirits in their wombs and why it happened so and how we on earth are so far from being so civil as to prepare ourselves to the mission of all missions, which is parenting. We're not doing 
anything close to enough to the level of responsibility. We need actually a university of parenting, Mentor Joseph says. University of parenting where people need instructions and exercises to understand the gravity of being a parent. You are changing the life of a child of God for immortality. That is huge. Some people don't lend their cars to a friend. They don't lend a pen because it's so precious, only they use. But they would ask unknown babysitters to look after their children. Because my car is important, but my child, you know, that's okay. People will take care of my child. But the car, please don't touch my car. Don't drive my car. Don't touch my pen. Don't, don't touch my TV. Or don't drink from my cup. But you know, take care of my child, shall you please? You see how nonsensical we are on earth? We're very childish. Vanessa, this is making me so sad. Don't be sad. Because the good spirits are bringing this information to us, to awaken us. We need to help one another get to another level of awareness to be wiser in the choices we make. We need to study to be better parents. We need to apply ourselves. And daily, when we go to sleep, ask for the good spirits, for further information, further instruction, because we cannot afford doing things on our own. We're not alone. The good spirits are always with us in the most difficult times, from the most beautiful ones to the hardest ones. And Mother Mary is always on the behind the scenes. After all, when we talk about parenting, she is the parent. She is the one and only the one who just stated our Master Jesus in this incarnation that he had. So let us pray with her, for her, to her, and pray for the suicidal spirits. Joining forces with Mother Mary, knowing that they need help. Shall we serve now together? Shall we, friends? Yes? I'm going to play the Ave Maria so we can pray. Wherever you are, stop what you're doing. If I know it's hard for us to be focused together, right? But let us stop what you're doing. Unless you're driving anything. But inside, let's focus on this moment of work together. We're forming a current of light. If you are watching or listening to this on demand, this current is vividly here and we you're joining it. Okay? It shall remain. Shall we?
Let us visualize Mother Mary, the mother of all mothers, the one that takes care of all of us. She knows what suffering is. She surrendered herself from the very beginning until her last breath on that incarnation. She faithfully served God. Let us visualize her open arms, her sky blue blanket of healing light. Dear Mother Mary, we know that you are taking care of all of us. We know that you are caring for each and every life, especially those who committed suicide. We pray at this moment, joining our hearts and minds visualizing your blanket of healing light, wrapping them up, warming them up, and preparing them for their rescue by the legion of your guards, your servants. May they find the relief. We know there is always a new beginning and we pray for their recovery, their rehabilitation. And we pray also for those who are on earth right now, thinking of suicide, of committing suicide. May they feel your blanket of healing light envelop them in hope. May they hear your words saying, This shall pass, my dear child. This shall pass, my dear child. This shall pass, my dear child. May they feel the loving hands of the protecting spirits. bringing them relief and new hope, knowing that there is always a solution. Being presented to them. We pray for our loved ones, asking for your merciful help for those who are in need. And may we be diligent, fully aware of your invitation to partake in your team of workers. May one day we also deserve to be part of it. For now, we learn from you and your servants. 
and we are inspired by a new way of feeling and being. Renewing our hopes and lifting it up, we ask for God's permission and yours to conclude this study, expressing our deepest gratitude by Yvonne Pereira, Camilo Botelho de Ondeni, for bringing to life this book of light, this book of hope that is illuminating us from deep inside. And so be it. You are the troopers. You are the troopers, friends. I agree with you, Rihanna. This lesson today is very reflective. We need to support parents. We need to help the children. Dear friends, let us rejoice in the next 24 hours doing our own exercises, meditating on the lessons of today. Shall we, friends, visualizing ourselves complying with God's laws. There's so much for us to reflect, but let's rest assured, we are not alone. Let's stay with our hopes up, sharing the good wherever we are, and meet again tomorrow, God willing, here at Kardec Radio, always nourishing our souls. A big hug to you, and until tomorrow, God willing, friends.